IntelliKey Leadership Stories with Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stenson. Connect with us on LinkedIn or visit our website, pureintellikey.com. Here's your host, Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stenson. Kirsten, if you would have thought back 14 months ago, the trip we've taken, can you believe it? It is amazing, Mark. We have just had amazing guests ever since then. And certainly one connection leads to another, which is how we met Natalette LaFantasis. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Kirsten. So glad to be with you. And I've watched your great TED Talk, which we'll get into. Natalette, your background is just the kind of profile of a person we imagine on this podcast. A great business career, a decade or more in technology, a couple of decades with a large computer firm doing PR, doing marketing. One of my favorite pictures of you is with a young Steve Jobs. Folks, when when somebody says they launched the Macintosh and they don't mean a new edition of a Mac, they mean the Mac. (laughs) When you can say you were there when the Macintosh was birthed, that is a great story. So Natalette, tell us about your business background, but of course, how the story of your life's journey brought you to where you are today. The, the story of my life journey was the story of somebody who, who, like many, many people, didn't have a family very careful, I would say. Therefore, my belief when I was young was that I needed to do a career to be safe financially and socially and to climb the social scales. Therefore, when as I wanted to, to do it fine, I work like hell. And I've been into PR, into agencies. I Indeed, I worked for Apple Computer for the launch of the Macintosh. I met Steve Jobs, who was uh, born the same year as I. And, <laughs> and then after, I went to Renault, to other companies, and I finished my, my career in communication, then in marketing, then in coaching of young talent in IBM. That was, you know... To be alive, to life is a sort of a travel. You have steps to climb, to know yourself. And I, there is nothing good or bad about what I did. I mean, I had a very successful career, but part of myself was not taken into consideration. I was doing well. I was successful. I was what we, you call a, a wonder woman. I would say a terminator as well, because I was really tough. Mm. But it took me years, really, really years until my 60s to be myself. And you have oh, yeah, these great I, superpowers. Honestly, Mark, I did it all. <laughs> I did uh, my daughters. I, I had my husband. Uh, at one point, I had a, person, a very busy personal life before I get married. I was traveling. I was having party. I was in, in, connected into women network. I was mentoring other women. I was. I, I just can't imagine today all, all what I was doing and. It, it was fine. I was happy to deliver and to serve and to help and to, to be uh, at the service of all the others, better than to listen to myself. Our guest today is a rabbi. He's a spiritual teacher. And he's also the author of a brand new book that's just being released. It's called It's All the Same to Me. And this is a book that Deepak Chopra calls uh, a contribution to the world's enlightenment. And it is indeed. And so we're so happy to have as our guest, Moshe Gerst. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. And he's joining us today from Jerusalem and Israel. Yeah, it's been quite a journey and very grateful to be here. And I'm sure, as you said, you've learned so much. What What are some of those highlights just on the journey of the book alone, as you've been trying to capture some of these insights and thoughts and experiences that you wanted to share? 
You know, it's amazing when you sit down to write a book. For me, I feel like I'm just channeling whatever's coming through me at the time. And that part for me moves really quickly. I know a lot of people get stuck on the writing. I finished the rough draft within a week. The actual book was finished. You know, we spent six months in editing, but it's not the, for me, I felt the stretch and the learning curve really happened when you find out writing a good book doesn't sell itself. And if you care deeply about the message that you're trying to share, that means you also have to care about the packaging and the delivery and being able to rise above the noise. And for me, that was a stretch in ways that I'd never experienced before. So I, I basically went to the school of YouTube and started researching and learning and learning from people like you and podcasts. And I uh, spent a lot of time listening to marketers and branding and just found so many correlations between spiritual path and and the world of marketing. It's, it's actually uncanny. Yeah. So you said two things when we talk about this bridge of spirituality in business, which really there is no bridge. It's just we've been trained to create these bridges reality is, is there is no bridge, but you spoke to channeling, which is an art in and of itself, because it takes internal refinement to be able to really receive those divine inspirations that come down and, you know, whatever your belief system is, you still need an open channel to do that. And then to further the point, you spoke to there really is no bridge in business either, because all the principles are principles and they get applied everywhere. So knowing that there's no bridge or seeing a bridge, how do you speak to our audience on the value of having both channels open? I mean, for me, if I had to put it into one sentence, it's get out of your own way. And what I mean when I say that is I find the moment I start overthinking anything, that's the mental clutter is what gets in the way of the channel. Because now I think that my plan has to be, or what I know best, uh, I like to use this phrase a lot, which is I follow the breadcrumbs, which means for me, when I'm writing, if I'm pulled in a certain place or, or I'm ex- like so- an idea is speaking to me, I'll just go in that direction and move in that direction because that is the right place for me to be right now. And I'll stop when the breadcrumbs kind of finish. And I can always go back and edit that. I can always cut things out. I can always build on it. I can add more. It doesn't have to be a certain way. I don't have to, to fill a certain rubric. It, it can just live and be and be very, very natural. And I, I really apply the same thing when it came to, I didn't know the first thing about reaching out to other influencers or other authors. I didn't know about setting up Amazon page and Apple and Google. And you know, I, I, I wasn't, you know, I've, I've more or less, I've been teaching and lecturing and kind of sitting in my cave here in Jerusalem for the last decade and a half, but it was, okay, well then where do you go to next? And you, and you follow that. I kind of feel like there's, there's your mind, but you kind of lead with your gut or lead with your heart and use your mind to check the evidence, right? If that makes sense. I think a lot of times we lead with our mind and our mind doesn't always know what's best. You have to listen to something deeper. You'll, and, and that's what I mean. You got to move this out of the way, let something come through. And then you can always check it with your mind, meaning don't, don't take a risk that doesn't make sense for you. What really makes conscious leaders, people who want to reach their own full potential, but also help others and help their company reach their soul's potential. And we're just so happy to have as our guest, John David Mann. Thank you. It's so great to be here. John is an award-winning and best-selling author of many books, especially parables that get into leadership. 
Books like The Go-Giver, books like Out of the Maze, which was the sequel to Who Moved My Cheese. Yeah, I got really excited about that because I loved Who Moved My Cheese. Yeah, Kirsten hasn't gotten the sequel yet. She's late to that part. I have not. It is on my to-buy list today. (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. Well, John, if we start with The Go-Giver, Kirsten and I were talking earlier in the week about leaders who lead to get whether that's for themselves or for their stakeholders and stockholders and investors and yes. so forth. But what about leaders that give? What have you learned about that and, and that you put in your books? You know, it's funny. Before The Go-Giver, uh, I spent many years as an editor of a couple of business journals in, in the direct sales world, mostly. And in one of our journals, I remember we had a journal that featured a lot of interviews with sales superstars and networking superstars and uh, sales management, you know, organizational superstars. And one of my partners in the venture, I remember him saying, there's, after a few years of doing this, he said, there's really two kinds of, of leaders that we, that we seem to bump into. There's leaders who call us up and say, you know, I've got an incredible story. You guys should really write about me. And then there's leaders who call us up and say, you know, I got this young guy in my organization. He's 25 years old. He's like practically right out of school and he is tearing it up. He's got an amazing story. You should do a story about him. And it was the second kind was the kind that we always wanted to feature. Mm-hmm. You know, it was leaders who live to build other people up. Like that's for them what leadership is about. It's to have the leadership as an opportunity or a platform from which they can reach down and lift other people up, give them their moment in the sun, give them their spotlight, help them develop to their true potential. I mean, that's to me what great leaders do. Great leaders are great leaders because they have a better than average capacity or they have developed that capacity to spot potential in other people and and nurture it. And obviously the go-giver, it became quite a series. I mean, there are many spinoffs and sequels and forms that it began to come in. Why why do readers continue to be drawn to it? That's That's a great question. Surprisingly enough, I don't get that question a lot. So I appreciate that. Why does it draw so many people? Because, you know, Bob and I published it in 2008. And it was the book that yanked me out of the trajectory that I was on. I thought I was going to become a screenwriter. That was my plan. And I'd like to say Bob Berg ruined my Don't career. Don't you because, love those plans? Yes, Don't yes, those plans. plans? <laughs> Such there's smart plans. plans. And That's right. <laughs> I have made so many good plans. However, yeah. none of them has panned out. And now we know uh, we have Bob Berg to blame. <laughs> exactly. It's Bob Berg's fault. If you want anything ruined, kids, invite Bob to your birthday party. Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, so you know, Bob came along and asked me if I'd write, write this book with him, and that you know, knocked me off trajectory and set me on this path, you know, and here we are 30 books later. It's what I do. I've come to realize in the years since then that at least how it feels to me at this point is this is what I was put on the planet to do. I mean, I've done a lot of different things, enjoyed a lot of different things, but they were all like warm-ups for this. So I'm incredibly grateful to Bob for ruining my life. Uh, <laughs> but why, why? So we put the book out and it says, you know, a, a little story about a business idea. About and so it was meant to be for the business community, but really it's, it's, it's a Trojan horse because it was really meant to be for everybody. And that's what happened. I mean, suddenly people were using it in sermons in church, in family groups, in marriage counseling, uh, in chambers of commerce and all over the place. Uh, I think one of the things it touches for people is, first off, there's a story there. And I think that when you lecture, when you tell people ideas, they tend to bounce off unless you're an incredibly engaging storyteller. All the great public speakers are great storytellers. It's not 
because their ideas are so brilliant that they're successful, though those ideas may be brilliant, is because they couch them in great stories. Stories are what reach people. Stories are what touch and move people. Stories are the way people learn. And I, I think it's because they touch our emotions. It's because we can place ourselves in the story. We can see ourselves in that character. Joe, the hero, main person character in The Go-Giver, this hapless guy who's struggling to make, to, you know, to make it. And he's really kind of all about himself. He's kind of all about like, what, how can he close this deal? How can he use this, this man, Pindar, to his own benefit? Oh, I know Joe. I know him. You know well. Joe. You've met him. <laughs> and, and he's not a bad guy. He's right. not a bad guy. He's just got a limited vision. He's got a limited right. scope. And what Pindar and his friends do is they crack that vision open and they give him a bigger picture. And the bigger picture they give him, of course, is this basic principle that if you put your focus on helping other people, if you put your focus on other people's interests, you end up doing really well. You don't end up sacrificing yourself. You actually end up serving yourself by serving other people. You know, that's kind of the secret that he discovers. And I think, you know, one reason that it touches people, it's moved a lot. Of, we just passed our, our million mark. Oh, over, a million, over a million, yeah, over a, over a million copies sold. Um, and I think one reason that it's touched so many people is that they experience the discovery of these principles through living the story. Continuing our conversation about this idea of conscious leadership. And we just have a wonderful guest to talk about that with today, Lynn Yap. Lynn, welcome to the program. Thank you very much for having me. And Lynn's the author of a brand new book called The Altruistic Capitalist. And Lynn, that'd just be a great place to start is this title, The Altruistic Capitalist. <laughs> Indeed. I did intentionally choose a title. I wanted to make people think like, oh, what is the altruistic capitalist, you know? So bringing two ideas that are completely opposite of each other. That's exactly what Mark said. He's like these two words together. <laughs> Which makes it perfect. And then even the subtitle that can you lead for purpose and profit? So maybe you could tell us about some of those really, I guess, market forces and social forces that are at work here. Mm -hmm. And to pull on your point about the subtitle, how to lead for purpose. So it's purpose first, and then the profit follows after that, right? So if you understand what your purpose is, what drives you and your organization, what are the values that motivate your organization and follow those, your profit comes after that. So instead of leading from, all right, how is it that we're going to grow the top line and how is it we're going to grow the bottom line, you miss out on a lot of other things that the other stakeholders that are involved in your business. The other important stakeholders, of course, are the people. We always talk about how important people are. But if we lead, for instance, cost cutting, let's say, let's talk about in a turnaround business, first things that usually go are the people. And that really doesn't retain the full value of your business. Another thing that is an important stakeholder, partner suppliers. If you keep squeezing and focus on the profit first, you are not going to build your business sustainably for the long term. And then, of course, you, there's your investors that has always been an important stakeholder for businesses. But if you think more long term with them, and you think more in terms of purpose, that is also going to scale your business in the, in the long term. And then, of course, there's the environment. We need to start thinking in terms of a win-win situation. How can we maximize the value for everyone? And now, a recent partnership that I found was very interesting. I used to work at Adidas, and I was part of the team that managed all the partnerships with different startups to maximize value and develop new innovations. Now, this whole idea of 
sharing intellectual properties, working with partners that are complementary in assets, in, in skill sets, is one that is part of that win-win mindset. So recently, Adidas partnered up with Allbirds, both produced sneakers. And in the past, we would think like, that makes absolutely no sense. Why would you open up your secret sauce and share with each other your, your trade secrets, right? But what they, what they did was, look, we have a common purpose. We want to reduce the carbon emissions for producing a shoe. And we also, we are very transparent. So from an organizational perspective, both organizations focus very much on collaboration. They're very open and there's very candid communication that goes on with their partner suppliers as well as their employees. And I think this is the mindset rather than, oh, if I'm winning, then you are going to lose. This is the mindset of, look, we need to work together. We have complementary skill sets and assets that we can solve a problem that's related, whether it's related to the climate or related to diversity, for instance. Fascinating. So you used several words, but I'm going to point to three. Collaboration, candid, transparency. And listeners, continue to come back to our podcast. Even in our next episode, we'll be continuing conversations about this conscious leadership and this idea that you can fulfill your own potential and achieve your own goals while doing good for the people and the planet. Kirsten, as we continue this conversation about IntelliKey, we have a sense that this is not just a key performance indicator like we tease each other about, but it really is a human potential indicator, isn't it? It really is. And it's so exciting. You know, you and I have talked about this idea of potential. Everything has a soul. A business has a soul. The earth has a soul. And even, Lynn, being in a conversation with you, that you can feel that something about the soul of what's coming is being elevated. There is an evolution that we're stepping into and it's being harnessed. And it's exciting because it's, it's here, but we haven't quite unfolded yet exactly what it's going to look like in the future. So listeners, please join our conversation. Go to your podcast player and leave us a review or comments or ratings. We'd really appreciate it. And of course, then join us again for our next episode of IntelliKey Leadership Stories. For Kirsten Goldie, I'm Mark Stenson, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to our second season of IntelliKey Leadership Stories. Your host is Kirsten Goldie with co-host Mark Stenson. This podcast is produced by BSB Media. You can listen anywhere in the world, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Ghana, and iHeartRadio. Subscribe now so you won't miss an episode when we begin Season 3 of IntelliKey Leadership Stories.